coming up on this episode, we begin by discussing our animalistic personalities, the filling up space with junk, and the beauty of Windows Mobile. Then we get into the week's tech news, including an update on the epic Apple fight, and remember our love for Windows 95. Stick around, it all starts right now. This is Don't Panic, episode number 286, recorded August 31st, 2020. Give the gif of turtles. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Don't Panic, the technology podcast on gadgets, the internet, and where would we be without you? Of course, I am Sean Jennings, joined as always by a man who I had a joke planned for when we had two co-hosts. So I'm going to say it anyway, even though it doesn't make sense. But uh, I'm Sean Jennings. Uh, only one. Uh, no, wait, how did it go? Fuck. See, now I'm, I, I'm so thrown off right, my start rhythm. Over, start right. over. Start over. All right. Welcome this to is, <laughs> and I am uh, I am Sean Jennings, and I am joined by the two thirds of the podcast that are allowed to go on vacation. It's Colby Rabidou and Dan Miller, but Colby is actually on vacation. But Colby's not here, right? Right. It would have been super it, funny and crisp and perfect had he been here. Well, actually, in some ways, it's funnier that he's not here because he's on vacation. That's right. That's right. You you guys have actually like left the place you lived in the last eight months. That's must be yeah, nice. Kind of barely true. <laughs> it counts. You left the state. You left the state I in did which you leave live. The states. That's a yeah. that's a big deal. It depends how you define traveling, right? Because like, uh, yeah, we did travel, but not in the typical sense. Uh, we traded in one set of four walls for a set of four walls and uh, some outdoor space, which was a fantastic trade. Well, but how's that different uh, from any other vacation? That's what a hotel is. Well, I, I don't know about your vacation, Sean, but on my vacations, they often involve going and seeing things, doing things that you can only do at the place that you're visiting, seeing people who may, maybe might live there, maybe might be the reason why you've gone on the trip in the first yeah, place. I don't, I don't know anybody. Uh, no, I am a big fan, though, of this sort of the, the new brand of low-key vacation where it's like, oh, we used to like, oh, we're going to spend a week in, in Yellowstone and we're going to go hiking every day and we're going to do nature is a bad example, but we're going to go to Tahiti and we're going to be on the beach. And it's like, no, we're going to like drive to the woods in Vermont and like just sit around. And I'm like, that is exactly my kind of vacation. I love that kind of vacation, too. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> uh, and I'm, I'm also glad that we're doing more of it. Uh, yes. Someone asked me today, what's my uh, what's my favorite uh, yeah. What is the the animal that I would be? What animal do you think embodies you? Mm -hmm. And it has to be a cat because I'm perfectly fine to sit around and do nothing. Uh, you know, I, so, I never thought about that for you. What a great topic of discussion. What animal does does best represents Dan? Hmm. I'm gonna go. I want to say lemur, but I think lemurs are a little too high energy to be Dan. <laughs> I honestly, I would, I might go with raccoon. A raccoon uh, might be construed offensively by some people, but I happen to know that raccoons are, you know, very intelligent. They're very, they're very clever. They're very smart, crafty, outgoing. Uh, they have thumbs. <laughs> um, I, I, I think, I think that's not bad. I might stick with that. Now, when it comes to these questions, I always forget about all of the aquatic animals. Yeah, but again, For that's a reason. But that, I feel like aquatic animals are kind of like insects, where it's like, again, is it an insult to be like, yeah, uh, you're a puffer fish? And it's like, what? 
Like what? Like what animal? Like what sea animal would you want to be? Like I guess dolphin is like a positive. Dolphin's cool. I don't think there's anything negative about a turtle. Turtles live a very long time. They oh. are super chill and go with the flow. And they're going extinct. Yeah, well, being it's a good quality to be rare, right? You don't want to be common. I'm very bad at like personality trait. Have you ever done like like for a job or something like a personality quiz? Like a self-assessment uh, or any of that kind I of stuff? I think so, yeah. yeah. You're I very bad at them? I once did, this is a 100% true story, I once did a leadership training class, and part of it was taking, we did a couple different ones, but we did a, like, like how to learn, how to, like, what personality you have so your employees could deal with it. And I, literally, this guy had taught this course hundreds of times, an absolute pro teaching the course, ran this test a hundred times, and he literally said, I've never seen, he saw my results, I've never seen this before, and I don't understand what it means. Ha <laughs> ha! Because I think did you get well, it, I'm, and it's it's vague in my memory now. But there are basically like three different aspects you were graded on, and you got a numerical score where where one would be thirteen, and one would be thirty six, one would be ninety, or whatever. I scored zero on two of them, <laughs> and he's like, "You're not supposed to be able to do that." And I took the test seriously, but I just think it's you know my poor employees know uh, know exactly how oddball. Congratulations! Yes, yeah, lucky them. <laughs> no, I don't have an an encyclopedic uh, knowledge of all the different animals, nor is this something I think about a lot, but if I had to assign an animal to you, Sean, I think an owl, like, you you can be uh, pretty aloof, you can be pretty quiet, but sometimes you, like, zip in there with one of those zingers, you're like, whoa, like, where the heck did that come from? Was that Sean? Uh, but most of the time, just very wise, just gonna sit in your branch and... Uh, that's that's a fine life. That I, I take that as a very high compliment. I take that as a very high compliment. Uh, speaking of Sean sitting on a branch, before the show, we were talking about how I managed to, for the first time, saturate my gigabit internet connection download, mm -hmm. I should say. Uh, and Sean was not unable to guess what I did to saturate that. It wasn't a video game download. It wasn't torrenting. Uh... Have you come up with any more guesses? My, I would say like 4K streaming, but I know you weren't, you don't have 4K equipment, so you wouldn't have been 4K streaming. Ah, I do have 4K equipment actually, um, and we'll get to that later. That might that might be one of my picks. Might involve ah. 4K equipment. It wasn't 4K streaming. I think you would have to stream a couple 4K, a couple 4Ks to saturate the gigabit. It was downloading my Google Music library because they're shutting Google Music down. Oh. And here we can. Did you? I was going to say, did you have a lot in that library? How big was that library? Twenty-one gigabytes. Wow. Zipped. Uh. So, yeah, it saturated it for at least a minute. Uh, it was crazy. And I have a screenshots to prove it. If anyone wow. doubts me, wow, wow, no, hey, that's that's impressive. I, I miss the days of having internet that fast. Um, when when files used to be, but do you have a see now? How fast is your up though? Mm, 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 mm. 
Let's see. Because that's what kills me. I When I had fiber and my up was like 25, it was amazing. Because right now I think I have like 150 megabytes down. And 99% of the time that's enough. Like is more better, sure. But it gets yeah. the job done. But I have five up. And as somebody who is uploading gigabytes and gigabytes of files every week because of this show, it is very frustrating. And I miss my like aggressive up. I, yeah, I'm running my upload speed test now. It, at one point, it was at 1.3 gigabits, so right now it's hovering around 700 megabits. Oh my god, I am uh, like, I've never been more jealous of anything in my life than that. That would, that's great. amazing. <laughs> oh man, to live in a place where other people live must be nice. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to not living in a place where other, where other people live. Uh, that'll be a sad day. No more gigabit internet. Unless now, did we talk about the the Elon Musk Starlink thing? Did we talk about that? No, you had thrown in the rundown, and we hadn't gotten to it. Um, uh, and it's interesting because a few companies are looking at at the same concept. Uh, uh, is it Amazon's doing it as well? I don't know, and I still don't entirely understand what makes it different. I guess the satellites are lower in the atmosphere. I'm scrolling through the website now, and that's it and there's a lot more of them i guess yeah i mean it's it's an interesting concept on a number of levels but but basically uh you're right um it, it's it's a it's a lower altitude low latency internet connection um that could theoretically give internet to people all around the world with a single carrier um and it's not like gigabit internet but it's like 50 megabits down was some of the speed tests I'm seeing, which is plenty if you're living out in a cabin somewhere. Like, that's way better. You, you, are, you are super fortunate to get like 10 megabits down from satellite right now, I think. Oh, satellite and, uh, internet like, is... Forget is about it. And it's not even necessarily the speed, it's the latency. So to establish yep. the initial connection is really what's going to kill you. Um, I actually know and somebody who has satellite and it's that terrible. Downloads on satellites are much faster than the uploads because the satellite has a much more powerful transmitter than your little satellite dish on your house has. Mm -hmm. So the upload speeds are also going to be what sucks, which for this all remote world that we're moving to would be really unfortunate. Yeah, well, you know, these, and I did, uh, Starlink is uh, SpaceX's program. Uh, they're targeting service in the northern U.S. and Canada in 2020. I'm sure that'll slip with COVID, but you get the idea. Satellites are about half half as far up as normal satellites. Uh, Amazon got approved by the FCC for Project Kuiper, um, which is uh, one of their, uh, an initiative to build a low earth orbit satellite constellation capable of providing reliable, affordable broadband service. It's three, Amazon's will be 3,236 satellites. And, and will reportedly cost more than $10 billion to set up for Amazon. That's a lot of satellites. It's an insane amount of satellites. And what's, what's interesting on sort of the alternate sides of the story is um, astronomers, are, are up in arms. Uh, oh, yeah, if sure. all of these satellites were theoretically launched, it would permanently pollute the night sky in a way that could almost entirely shut down Earth-based satellites or mm -hmm. Earth-based telescopes. Um, and that's what's interesting to me about this is not that they're doing it. It's that there's literally... And there's another company or two that are trying it. Um, 
I'm going to see if I can find all of them, but they're literally, I mean, we're talking 10, 15, 20,000 satellites, theoretically, by the time all is done. So, what are the legal implications of this? Because space is infinite, but space around planet Earth is not infinite. So, who gets to decide, like, when we've run out of space? You know, there. Believe it or not, and this is true, there are sp- space lawyers. They're lawyers who just spe- specialize in space law. I am not one of them, but they do exist, and I don't know the exact rules. I know if your company is based in the U.S. and you're launching out of the U.S., you have to go through the FCC. Now, could you just base the company in India or or a country where that may have the ability to launch spacecraft with lesser laws? I'm not entirely sure how that how that works. It's a, it's a good question. OneWeb is another one um, as well. And what's interesting is it's not only direct internet to the people, uh, but they also say it could be a backbone for 5G. It could be a backbone for other um, communication as well, not not just uh, internet access, other forms of data. Uh, yeah, so that, that was my adventures with gigabit internet. And I think that's pretty much all that happened since I guess it's been two weeks, though. There's been some interesting tech thing that happened to me, but maybe there hasn't been. Has there been any interesting tech stuff for you? Any uh, what, any banter? Any banter, Sean? Well, I was sick. That's why we didn't do the show last week. I, I had to get right. tested for COVID. Now my second test. Again. Yeah, I don't recommend it. Uh, I, I tested negative, but I still felt sick. So it really was a lose-lose. Like, I felt like if I was going to be sick, I might as well test positive. But I still felt sick and tested negative. You know, this is how my mind works. Um, right. So I felt like now, crap. You, I was you're quarantined. You're still getting to, like, the one that goes deep into your brain when they do it? You know what's weird is the first time I had it done, they went in my nose probably up to about here. And I'm kind of pointing to, like, the middle bridge of my nose. So they didn't go all the way up into the brain, but they got up there. But this last one, they really only barely went in there. And I'm like... I don't I, well, I, I think the technology has advanced is what I've heard. I hope so, because I was really like I almost asked the lady to like go deeper. And I'm like, I can't do that. That's too uncomfortable. I wouldn't I can't do that. Um, yeah. Did you see the new the new test uh, that just got approved? The Abbott test? No. Um, so Abbott, a, a large, I'm going to assume evil um medical uh pharmaceutical company uh rolled out a fast five dollar 15 minute easy to use covid19 antigen test um it received fda emergency use authorization uh it works similarly to like a pregnancy test uh you don't pee on it but um what it does is it changes a color of a strip to indicate whether or not uh you've tested uh, positive it's about the size of a credit card um, there's no tools involved. There's really no equipment. Um, what's interesting is the way it actually works. Uh, and I'm trying to get the actual uh, science explanation because it is it's, it's science. A, it's an antigen test. So it's not actually testing whether or not you have the coronavirus. It's testing whether your immune system has produced a response to coronavirus which is actually easier because the problem with coronavirus is there's a lot of slight variations. And what they actually test for is the DNA of the coronavirus. That's what takes so long. 
you can't just do a, a Y or N with do you have coronavirus. I did not know that. But what this test does is it's not testing for coronavirus. It's testing has your body responded in a way that indicates you have coronavirus. That's why it can be done much faster and cheaper. But I would imagine that that uh, wouldn't work early on. Or, or would it? Well, it certainly took them a long time to study it. I mean, that's why it's it's coming out now. Um, no, I, I meant uh, that wouldn't work uh, in the, in if the you first had day just of having it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I want to be. It says it detects viral proteins or antigens. Um, I want. I don't want to speak out of turn. I don't know if that's true. Right. It's a good thought. Well, I'm glad you're feeling better. And that you don't have coronavirus. I I agree. I agree. It was not... Well, it was kind of fun being home for a week and working from home again. Um, but it wasn't fun feeling sick, so... No. I'm thrilled to be back. Um, it's great. Uh, in terms of technology, you know, I've really got to get back to buying stupid dumb crap. <laughs> I, I really... I've been so That's lazy. That's how we'll know the economy's back on track. <laughs> I think I single-handedly uh, keep the economy going with the amount of dumb tech nonsense I've purchased. Um, I haven't really... I got... Of course, I've talked about my love of ways before I got their new outdoor camera, but I haven't opened it yet. I'm going to hold on to it till I get to my new house. Um, but other than that, I haven't really... haven't really purchased anything. I got. If anyone out there has any suggestions for stupid tech nonsense that I can buy, please write to us and let us know. Oh! Oh, wait, now I remember something. I, I think on the last show we talked about the on-air button. Yes. Uh, that I wanted to build. Yes, yes, and yes, I yes. Did, I did kind of build that. So I have a, you won't really be able to see it. You'll have to take my word for it. I have a Siri shortcut on my phone. Mm-hmm. And when I press it, I have this, like, go on-air shortcut. Yep. And when I press it, and when I press it, it will change the light in the other room to purple. Hey! I'm on air. And then when I press go off air, it will change the light back to whatever it was before that. Except there's a bug, so it only turns it to white. But that's what it should be. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> what what an elegantly easy solution for that. Yeah. Uh, I, did, I do have like some software running on my Raspberry Pi that the shortcut talks to. Be, but I wouldn't need that if... I didn't want to keep track of what the light was before I went on air, which honestly doesn't work right now anyway. So it's not doing me any good. But ideally, if like the person in the other room had the light off, then once I go off air, the light would just turn off. Or right. if they had it at 75%, it would go back to 75%. Actually, I don't. That's a cool thing, actually, about the uh, Hue API. You can just tell it which uh things to change and if you didn't tell to change the like brightness the brightness will just stay as it was uh so that that was pretty easy so yeah now i have the, the on-air light you know what's funny dan I, can you hold your phone up again with the the screen with all the siri shortcuts in it do you know that when you flash that up to the camera do you know what my first thought was my first memory was Windows no, Mobile Live Tiles. Oh, yeah. Do you remember the, like the Nokia phones with the Windows Mobile? And it had like the yellow and the, and the cyan blue. Um, and for some reason, that just flashed to me. I don't know why. Well, one of my only shortcuts is this shortcut here that sends Colby a text message with a random GIF in it. So 
We can do that right now. Yes. Test it on air. I wonder if he's All the right, one done. person watching. Done. Let's let's see. All right. Just sent. Let's see what gift that we got here. That's fantastic. Well, ever you know, oh, we... here, look, it sent him turtles. Okay, that's spooky. That is weird. Unless yeah. unless Google's the entire listening. unless the entire gift library is really like weirdly high percentage of turtle gifts. I don't. You know. Wait, which tech company bought Giphy again? Facebook or f- tried to. I'm sure they oh, did. Eh. Oh yeah. You're right. I think it was Facebook. Yeah, but I could have sworn that was one of those things where the government was like threatening to. To like slow it Facebook down. Facebook have a monopoly on gifts. Well, that's the fear, I guess. No, it says here that they bought them. So there you go. Wonderful. Yeah, ever since they uh, they put gifts into Microsoft Teams, it, it, our, the sort of work chat has gotten very annoying. I'm running. Uh, not, my team doesn't watch the Your show. Team gifts. Oh, to a degree, that's. I'm. I look. I love gifts. I do them in the text. Again, it's like emoji. It's. You got it just a light touch sparingly. <laughs> and it's like and, and the other thing is like they do the and does anyone do this to you? Like the gift thread where it's like as soon as somebody posts one, everyone has to respond with one or like one up with one. And then it's like six or seven in a row. At my last job, the, the gifts never really took off, but uh, we had a whole channel for this at Etsy um, confusingly called gift cards. Oh. Which was a, which was originally a channel for people to talk about uh, the gift cards feature, but then it became subsumed by memes and gifts. So then they created another channel. I forget what it was called. It had nothing to do with gift cards, and that was where you had to go to actually talk about gift cards. And if you just showed up <laughs> in the gift cards channel, you would. It was just all memes and gifts. Uh, I, so I think that's actually an effective strategy because you quarantine it in one place. People can, there's no rules. People can post to their heart's content. Uh, and then it doesn't infect the other areas. Well, the other problem is I'm just not current with the times, I guess, because uh, people will post gifts and I don't get them. Like they're to a reference to something that I don't know what it is or understand. And then, the, and then they get mad at me uh, and they yell at me because even though they're like between one and four years younger than me, um, Apparently, I'm an old man who doesn't know current things. You're an, you're an, you're an owl. You're an old man in heart. I, you know, I guess so. I get me and my raccoon friend. I guess we'll just have to <laughs> just have the to creatures of the night over here on the Don't Panic podcast. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Colby is one of those uh, fish with a little light that hangs off the top <laughs> in the deep, deep depths uh, of the or, ocean. Or one of the blob fish. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, 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 he can't even defend himself. He's not yeah, even here. He's just got to take it. Uh, but no, the big thing in our office now, Dan, is it's officially pumpkin spice season. Uh, you know, what's funny is I think it was a week or two ago. I was talking to Lena and, and I was like, yeah, well, you know, because I think we just saw the first Halloween thing. Uh, like some little corner display of Halloween candy somewhere. And it's like, well, the next thing is going to be pumpkin spice. And then we looked it up and it was like that week was the first week of pumpkin spice week. Yep. (coughs) Oh, speaking of pumpkin spice, I was at a grocery store and you'll never guess what flavor hummus I saw. Hmm. I really got to think about this. Peppermint. Yeah. Well, there was also chocolate. Uh, I've had chocolate hummus. It's very unpleasant. 
Yeah, I got it. Get this. Worse than pumpkin spice. I went. I, I do want to hear about pumpkin spice hummus, but I went to the deli once and bought some deli meat. And then the lady at the deli told me, "Hey, by the way, Boar's Head is having a deal, where if you buy a if you buy a pound of Boar's Head luncheon deli meat, we're gonna give you a free container of chocolate hummus." And I'm like, I don't want that. <laughs> like, I legitimately don't want this free no thing. It's free. Well, that's and I'm like, how can they just get? And but I took it and I ate some of it and I did not care for it. Oh my yeah, hummus is savory. Yeah, well, I've never looked at hummus and be like, I need a dessert version of this. And that's and I asked Lady yeah. Deli too. I'm like, what would you even like eat it with? And she's like, a strawberry. And I'm like, no, that's crazy. Lunacy. Well, I know I didn't actually get the uh, pumpkin spice hummus, so I, I can't report on what it's like. I once saw. I, I think the craziest pumpkin thing I ever saw was I once saw a pumpkin scented dish soap. And I'm like, so all your dishes smell like pumpkins? Very, very bizarre to me. Never understood yeah, that's that. Not, that's not what you want. No, and I don't even think, is pumpkin a good fragrance? Like, I get the taste, but do, does is pumpkin a good smell? I... Because fall I think smells like, are good. Like if, you, if you gave me a pumpkin candle... I would be way more down with that than I would pumpkin hummus uh, yeah. or pumpkin spice hummus. Like a pumpkin spice candle, I think I I would probably, I don't know if I've ever had, I think I had a pumpkin spice latte once, but uh, I think I would be more, I would use, I would use it is what I'm getting at. Yeah. I would make use of that. But I feel like the spice is doing a lot of heavy lifting in pumpkin spice. Like I feel like that candle would smell like cinnamon or something, mm-hmm. you know, sort of that accompanying spice right i mean i like a pumpkin pie a pumpkin pie is a great pie i don't know if you and matt would agree on one of your crazy brackets but we're not the the fda has said we can't do any more food-based brackets the government shut (laughs) us down after we screwed up so many times they said never again never Uh, again not surprising nope someone had to stop us we were out of control um Dan, let's uh, let's see what's in the news here. Not surprisingly, for two weeks of news, there wasn't a ton of stories that were real slam dunk. It was a lot of kind of. Well, everyone, yeah, we could keep like every podcast. We could just spend the entire time talking about the uh, epic Apple showdown. Yeah, well, it was the Apple a, epic showdown. It was a lot of that, and it was a lot of like social medias and uh misinformation and political and like that whole sort of thing and i'm like to me that's just a bummer uh and it bumps me out so i try to come up with some interesting stories that weren't that but we can also talk about epic and apple i mean i think we have to talk about that all uh, right if you insist yeah um, let's let's start there a couple different angles on this a couple weeks ago uh we talked about uh, Apple's fight with Epic and the folks at Fortnite. Um, they went to court. We got a result. The judge uh, will protect the Unreal Engine, which is what we talked about, uh, which is Epic software that uh, runs the back end of a lot of other games. Um, they said the Unreal Engine must continue on the App Store, uh, a temporary restraining order in that case, but said Fortnite does not have to. Um, 
Not long after that, uh, Apple announced that it intended to cut off Epic's developer accounts this Friday the 28th. So Unreal Engine will continue, but theoretically... Well, and specifically what the, the judge said was like, you know, uh, Fortnite could be back on the App Store whenever Epic wants it to be. Yes. They'll just make less money. Yep. Yep, that's exactly right. Um And that's that's and it, it remains off the App Store. Um, yeah. So there's a couple interesting things. One is that uh, Fortnite, like a lot of games, I've never played a game like this, but a lot of them exist. Operates now on seasons. Mm. So every three months or whatever it is, you get the new features and the new content, and like people start over for their ranks and stuff. Uh, and that happened last week, I think. And yes, as a result, people who were who had the iPhone game version of Fortnite installed can't play with anyone else except iPhone users now, iPhone and iPad users. Um, that's my one my one other update. So that extra sucks. It's now this week. It's way worse than it was last week, even if you still have the game installed. Yeah, crossplay is dead. Um, and in addition, as you mentioned, playing in the seasons, I believe it, it's season three or season four, um, will not be uh, consistent device to device. Uh, they're not rolling out the new seasons uh, for apps that were acquired through the Apple app or Google Play Store. Uh, on an Android device, for example, the only way to get the new season is to download essentially the APK through Fortnite's own site, uh, through Epic's own site. Now, I'm surprised, and this is something I meant to look up, but I haven't. I'm surprised that Apple, or that Google, has the same in-app purchase restrictions as Apple does. Is that true? It's, like, effectively the same thing, same cut? Uh, I I want to say it's the same percentage. Yes, they do They do take a significant cut, like Apple. Is it exactly 30? I, I couldn't, I, I'm pretty sure it is. Okay. And you have to use that to do in-app purchases? And be in the Play Store? If your app is distributed in the Play Store, yes. Now, based on everything I've read over the years, Google isn't as aggressive as Apple. We've seen a couple of uh, examples from Apple in the last couple of weeks. The WordPress example, which we didn't talk about on the show, which is WordPress, essentially a free app. Um, what they were? How did it work? They were offering services via the website but could be redeemed within the app or something along those lines and Apple insisted on taking a cut even though they weren't really selling it through the app it was a very sort of suspicious gray area case uh, but Google isn't as aggressive about it mainly because they have competition from APKs and direct installs you know you can and go the, around the Amazon app store yes remember that that yes. old chestnut yes yep although that I'm sure Amazon takes a cut too I'm sure <laughs> on some level I, yeah, I would be curious what the Amazon App Store's policies are. But can you even... I don't think you can just install the Amazon App Store without, like, rooting your phone or, or something like that, uh, right? Uh, you know, I haven't used it in such a long time. I, I remember way back in the day, I didn't think you had to. I think you had to give it, like, an insane number of permissions and it was a hassle to work around. But I don't think you had to, like, root the phone or anything like that for it to work. But that it could be different now, to be honest. Interesting. Yeah, I'm curious because, like, it's clear that 
that Apple, like Apple's um, leverage points are much more obvious than Epic's are. Mm-hmm. But Epic is doing it too, right? Like if Epic really had the con- the consumer's best interests at heart, first of all, the consumer doesn't give a crap about your uh, how much money you make <clears throat> or how much, you know, your revenues are cut into. <clears throat> and if they wanted to, uh, could Epic not release its own APK for Android that does give the twenty percent discount and does yes, uh, and they've done that. Not... But now my my understanding of it, I could be wrong is that I thought they had they had pulled everything, or do they also have an APK that you can download? So they have a separate. Oh boy, you can tell we've done a lot of research. Um... We played a lot of Fortnite. Maybe maybe oh, next time Colby's not here, Sean, you and I should have <laughs> played Fortnite the whole time. Oh my god, what a, a fantastic disaster that would be. Um, let's see here. Epicgames.com. So there's the Epic Games app that you install, and then you can install it through that app. Uh, if, I, if I understand it correctly, and get the updates through that app. So you're not downloading it directly. You're downloading the Epic Games app not through the Google Play Store. Oh, I see. Um... So, okay, so interesting. I didn't know that. Uh, similarly, uh, if Epic wanted to, they could offer uh, Fortnite on the Mac, not in the Mac App Store. But my understanding is they have not done that yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the Mac people who are especially screwed because they were never subject to this like I don't, there are no in-app purchases in the Mac App Store, right? Uh, so they were never subject to this, and now they are paying the price uh, of the iPhone users just because they're associated with Apple, which yep. kind of makes sense, but kind of doesn't because it's pretty analogous to the Google APK situation. But I don't, I don't. Is is Fortnite not available for the Mac through Epic? That was my understanding, but I okay. could be wrong about no, that, I too. Let's I, see. I don't know either. I don't know how any of this works. Uh, PC Mac. I'm on the Epic Games website. Oh, I got to sign in? Oh, it, even... does let, it does let me download it. Okay. Right now. Maybe they do. I mean, again, it's like, on one hand, you're right, Dan, where it's, it's you know... Yeah, it would be good for the consumer if they could buy stuff and not have to worry. But also at the same time, I mean, Epic was pretty clear that they want their own app store, their own purchase store within the game, uh, where they can profit on reselling stuff within the game. I mean, is that in the in the oh, player's best interests? So I guess because their Apple App Store SDK or Apple SDK license was revoked. They can no longer do new builds of Fortnite. Yes. So the Mac version is also the old version. They have not updated it for the new uh, season. Yes. Or chapter, I guess they're calling it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, sorry, what were you saying? No, I was just saying that, you know, it is kind of, um, I don't think bullshit is the right word, but but I think it's, you know, epic in this in this altruistic sort of uh, Apple shouldn't be taking 30%, which is debatable, and I, I'm not 100% disagreeing with that position. 
But really, the truth is they want a way to to sell even more to players. One of the the most profitable games in history. Uh, they want an app. They want an app store. I mean, they want a purchase store within the game, where they instead of Apple taking any of the money, they keep a hundred percent of this virtual sale okay. of items and generating even more billions of dollars than they already have made off this game. So you know, on one hand, should Apple be getting thirty percent of it? No, but should Epic be getting a hundred percent? You know, I, I I don't know. I think. You know, right. if you want to look at a glass half full, are Apple's rules keeping apps to some degree from overcharging customers? Maybe. I, I don't know. And uh, like like I said last time, like, I do think this is pretty analogous to video game consoles. Uh, but something I, I've been reading and hearing more about in other podcasts is how uh, one big difference between the way that video game consoles works and the way that the that Apple works and Google uh, is that video game consoles makers are much more in on this idea that like, Hey, you make a great game. We have a console. We want your game on this console. How can I get you into this brand new console? Mm -hmm. Uh, Like what's the deal that we got to strike? And it's less about the perception of it being fair for everyone or sorry, not fair, the same rules for everyone which, A, it, it isn't, but Apple needs to seem like it is for the antitrust stuff right now. Of course, in reality, they're just making it way worse for themselves. But in a you know actual functioning market, uh, Apple would be like, okay, what about, what about 20%? What right. about 15%? What's the right number? Exactly, because Apple wants Fortnite on the App Store Epic wants Fortnite on the App Store. Consumers want to be able to play Fortnite on their phones. Uh, but also, I I think. Cons- but the other thing is that consumers want to be able to trust apps. I today, when I am in an app on my iPhone and I buy something, whatever it is, I trust I'm getting what I'm paid for because, to some degree, it's not scraping right. my credit card number. It's not going to be some fly-by-night thing. It's been verified by Apple to the point where they're actually taking a cut. So I at least know they have stakes in the game. You know, they have skin in the game. And right. so, you know, should their number be zero and they just don't care, and you can buy it with PayPal or Bitcoin or whatever random crap in the apps? I don't know if that's the right answer, but. Their argument, and Apple's argument, is that we need the 30% because the app store costs us money. You know, there are people who distribute free apps with no in-app purchases that it costs us money to distribute. Now, again, is it worth 30%? That's debatable. But, you know, I also understand the argument that they should be taking something. Oh, I completely agree that they're well within their rights to take, take a fee. Uh, and I, I I remember making this argument in the last show that yeah I I would I would much rather pay for something via a trusted third party service. That's why you see PayPal on all these websites and stuff. Even though like they, they have your credit card like SSL, hey, it's like Norian antivirus, secure e-commerce. Uh, people still use PayPal all the time. Yeah. So I think that's totally true. And. At the end of the day, there is a number at which, like, yeah, you know what? It's more expensive to, for, like, we make less money on purchases on the iOS store, App Store. Why did I say that? But uh, we would make even less money if we didn't use the Apple system. 
So it's a good deal. Uh, well, some developer for some developers, it is, you know, I mean, some developers are happy paying the 30% because they get a lot more purchases that way. Right. Uh, if you're I, a small developer, you don't want to be in the business of accepting your own like credit right. card numbers. And somebody, some money's better than none. And, you know, to me, it's the issue is the inconsistency because when they go and cut a sweetheart deal for Amazon, where Amazon's apps only take 15%, mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. is, and, and you see it with all these individual apps where they have some rules for some people and some rules for others. And if, if you're in their pocket, you get, that's, I think, where the issue comes in. And, and maybe it's, and I don't know if you have any thoughts on this, but maybe it is time to really reinvent how the app store works. Because I think this, right now, there are three pay models. Essentially, you pay for the app, you pay in the app, you pay a subscription. And they're kind of operating all three. And I think... That allows for double and triple dipping, essentially, in a lot of ways, which I don't think is very pro-consumer. So is there a world that makes sense where apps are all free and it goes <laughs> totally to in-app purchases? And maybe that in-app purchase is a single $9.99 to unlock all features, but it creates a consistent environment where there's no more free and paid apps. It's just all apps are the same. Well, I wonder, I bet the percentage of paid apps that offer in-app purchase is vanishingly small, right? Like, I can't think of a single app that I paid for and then I had an in-app purchase. That's true. That's Uh, true. So, like, really, maybe it should be the other way around, but we lived in that world for a while. And this seems much more profitable for the app makers. And I do think in-app purchases has told... Do you remember back in the, the old iPhone days when there used to be two versions of every app on the store, the free version yeah. and the paid version, and they've essentially yeah. eliminated that? Yeah, um, that with, with an unlockable in-app purchase. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think it's a really tough spot to be in, but, you know, Google's facing the same thing. I mean, these companies got to figure out how finances should work in this new sort of digital app-based environment. I I think that the way that it works on the Mac and to a lesser extent Windows uh, is is pretty good where there's an app store and it's the most convenient way to get an app paid or otherwise. Mm-hmm. Uh, most people will only ever get their apps from the app store. Some people can get apps from other places uh, and there's there's uh, tiers Mm-hmm. You can host an app that has been signed by and verified by Apple and like signed cryptographically to say that Apple did verify it. And your computer, like you download that program, you boot it up and your computer will just run it. Uh, or you can download apps that don't have that at all. Uh, but in order to do that, you have to jump through a lot of hoops. Like, again, for for most Mac users, you, I forget the check, but the gatekeeper checkbox was like allow allow uh, unknown, potentially dangerous apps to run on this computer. Mm-hmm. How many Mac users actually check that box? I bet it's pretty small, and I bet it would be way smaller on the iPhone. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, and again, because especially if you had better parental controls on the iPhone, which may, maybe they do at the facility, where like, hey, you as a kid, you can't install, uh, I guess you can't install apps at all, depending on your account. And uh, I, yeah, you can limit both apps, downloads at all, and also the ability to make financial transactions. Right. Uh, so if you disabled 
like a certain a kid's account, then like if they want to download Fortnite, now the parent has to be convinced by Epic that their app actually is safe. And maybe that's a thing Epic's willing to invest in, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then if if you're willing to do that, then uh, maybe you don't have to. Uh, well, see, but that's the thing. See, then as soon as you do that, like, okay, well, what if they don't use Apple Pay? Uh, then how would you as a parent restrict an app purchase? Right, right. When they have to put in a credit card number or, or something right. like that. I mean, right. I... So the, but, and then you as Epic, you have to solve this problem. Uh, you get parents writing in saying, hey, I'm not going to download this app onto my kid's phone unless like, you can build in these parental controls. And that's where I, I, I think... Once you understand at that level, when people say, oh, yeah, Apple offers a, a value add, it's like, yeah, for, for these all these edge cases, um, what does it mean to transact money in uh, Swiss francs mm-hmm. and transfer it to USD? Apple takes care of that for you. <laughs> uh, Epic, yeah, they probably have some sort of solution for that. They have their, their Swiss bank account, and then the accountants transfer it. But what drives me, but what's wild is to me, so many of these things are very pro-business and anti-consumer. And by that, I mean, you know, uh, cutting Amazon a better deal because they're Amazon. And to me, it should almost be in the reverse. Like, it, what comes to mind for me is a is a tax bracket type situation where the smaller you are, the less fees you pay. Where if you're a really small developer, you pay 5% to Apple. Apple should be incentivizing small app developers. And when you're Amazon and Epic, you pay 30%. Because you can, and because Apple can make you, because you're using more of their server power, because you're using more of their resources, why should you be paying less? That's now, a I good also point. realize that would never happen in reality, because that's not how business works. Well, no. Be, I think a good example of this is actually Epic and a lot of these video game SDKs. They are free. Uh, and they're free up until, for some of them, I believe, up until you've made a certain amount of money. And then it's like, you know, contact our enterprise sales department. Well, all software is like that. You know, every every all of them start with that free tier, and, and it's you know basic, premium, pro, yeah. business. Yeah, you know, it's it's all in it's all in tiers. Right, but I, I'm saying that there's even precedent for doing this based on on income or yep. how much revenue this this uh, software generates. Yep. I think that would be a really interesting model. I think that's a good idea. Uh, but again, I you know, that that makes things complicated for Apple too because then they're sort of creating extra accounting for themselves, you know, versus just saying everyone pays 20% or whatever it is. You know, I don't know. They just got to be consistent. I mean, that's that's the that's the number one with a bullet. Yeah, and the other problem is Apple has no reason to do that right now. Hence, hence why, an antitrust why would they lawsuit. Really push the control. Yeah. When, when you have a monopoly, you can do whatever you want and not care. Yep. Yep. Meanwhile, what, I I read this stat on Twitter today because uh, uh, Apple recently hit was it two trillion dollars? First ever two trillion dollar company. Oh yeah, they had some new uh, market cap record. But I read in whatever like the four days or whatever or like the five days since they hit that. They gained another, maybe it was more than that, time than that, but they gained another $248 billion in value over a very short amount of time. That's one Netflix that they gained uh-huh. in like a week or whatever span it was. That's crazy. And money's just made up. Like, I don't get it anymore. 
Yeah, because it's not like Apple doesn't seem like a big growth stock to me. But what do I know? Well, it uh, well part of it is they just make so much cash. That's what it is. A company like Netflix spends a lot of cash and doesn't make a lot of cash. Right. A company like Apple just has literally stacks of money just hanging around. They've run out of they had to build a whole spaceship to put all the money in. Absolutely crazy. We're in the wrong business. Well, you're in the right <laughs> business. I'm in the wrong business. Well, there's always a better business to be in. <laughs> oh, that is unless true. you're unless you're a uh, investment banker, then you're <sighs> in all the right businesses. We missed our calling. We should we should have gone to school to be hedge fund managers. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. Um, Do we have time for one more story? If you would like, yes, of course. I think we should talk about Windows ninety five. I would. Talk about my favorite gifts of all time. The Windows 95, which turned 25 years old this week. The Windows 95 launched with the famous uh, Steve Ballmer and Bill Gates dancing awkwardly on stage with the weird sort of fist bumps and the and the awkwardness uh, to yes. start start me up where they had ro- the Rolling Stones playing live at the launch uh, because, because of the introduction of the start button. That's where start me up came from. Um, yeah, absolutely incredible. 25 years uh the official uh launch august 24th 1995 um added a lot of new features the biggest was the start button the start menu and the taskbar uh, multitasking improvements uh and the graphical interface you know going from windows 3.1 in the days of dos uh, at the time competing with uh mac and os2 uh, ibm os2 um it was also a th- the one of the thirty-two uh, uh, bit OS um, plug and play to automatically detect and install hardware. Um, yeah, and we we got there eventually. Yeah, for the most part, <laughs> still mostly works. Yeah, uh, it also came with a new Microsoft Network MSN application to provide access to email, chat rooms, newsgroup, and the first WWW homepages through a dial-up connection. And my, my favorite little uh, trivia, when I remember, I think Windows 95 was the second computer I used, but I don't really remember. The first one was some Mac computer, but Windows 95 was the first one that I really sank my teeth into. Mm-hmm. And I was so fascinated by the briefcase, my briefcase. Yes. One of the I, first uh, multiple machine data sync. Yeah. I still don't understand how it was supposed to work. And <laughs> I remember reading the like help text about it. And I was like, don't get it. Like, how could it possibly put my stuff anywhere else? As far as I know, it never did. So like, what was the act? Do you know the actual idea there? Like, well, I'm Googling it now. Cause I've, I never it, used it. You put it in my briefcase and it just stays there. Do you, are you supposed to put my briefcase on a like floppy disk or something? Yeah. So what you would do, if I'm understanding this correctly, is you would put files in the briefcase. You would set up the briefcase, put the files in there. You could sync it to a floppy disk or connect a laptop to your PC. And the things you put in the briefcase would synchronize the folder between the floppy disk or the other PC you connected by, I assume, USB or whatever was serial, whatever was happening at the time. 
or the or, or your or the local area network actually you could do you couldn't do it over the World Wide web but you could do it over the local area network you would right click on it and click update all and any changes would be synchronized how does it know which computers to sync it to does it have to be all part of the same account? How does it know if this Dan Miller is the same as that Dan Miller? Unlike Dropbox, you couldn't synchronize files on several different PCs with a briefcase. The contents of a briefcase could only be synchronized with one other location. That's ah. it. Interesting. Yeah, I remember my briefcase. I remember the dial-up sound. And I remember... Uh, let me see if I can. Did we talk about the time that I totally destroyed our, our family computer with the uh, Windows? Was it Windows for Kids or something? Mm, I don't remember that. There was some like Windows add-on for Windows 95. It was like Windows 95 for kids. And you can install it on top of Windows 95. Mm. And my dad and I, we installed it together. And I think the, my big draw is I got some new games with it or something. And we were installing it. And I was like, what would you like to restrict? And like, uh, there are some default things selected. And we were like, well, my dad was like, I wanted to restrict everything. Click restrict everything. Boot into the computer. Couldn't do anything at all. We were not allowed to perform any operation. <laughs> and... That was the first complete reinstall of the operating system that we ever did. Yeah, this press release from February 1997, a new product from Microsoft Corp, Microsoft Plus for kids. There we go. Microsoft Plus for kids. Yep. It requires eight megabytes of RAM, 32 megabytes of hard disk space, a CD-ROM drive. Oh, boy. Good stuff. But, I, but I miss, I, you know, I still love the good full OS reinstall. What a, what a great feeling that is to just wipe the slate clean. I haven't done that in many years. At this I know. Point. I, I miss I'm it. Falling off. What a shame. Yeah. Look at these. Maybe I should try running Windows 95 again. Honestly, it might make things simpler. <laughs> like just spend a week only on Windows 95. Just no internet, just productivity. Yeah, I mean just I productivity. I loved Windows 95 um and 98 obviously after it as well, but um yeah, I used sort of uh 3.1 for a very very short amount of time as a child and uh yeah, I I was with you. 95 was really the first um Yeah, I, th I think it was a Macintosh Plus that we had first before the before the uh, Windows ninety five. We we had a Hulk and Compact, big compact desktop. Um, that was just with a big CRT monitor. Mm -hmm. Oh boy, that was the shit. Here's another crazy thing. Uh, we went from Windows 95. I don't think we ever installed Windows 98 or bought it. Uh, we went from Windows 95 to XP. We skipped 98, 2000, and ME. Or I forget. Did ME come before 2000? Maybe. Uh, uh no. Nah, I think 2000 was after ME. God, ME was terrible. 
And so we, I think we probably got that computer in like 1994, 1995 and kept it for 10 years <laughs> or, or nearly. Mm-hmm. Cause like, when did the XP come out? Um, XP would have been right around 2000, right? 2001. Have... Yeah. So I think we got our next computer in 2003. So, oh, yeah, almost 10 years for that Windows 95 computer. We upgraded it, upgraded the inside, Isn't new that hard great? drive, more RAM. That yeah, was fun. And now we don't even have versions of Windows anymore. It's just Windows 10. It will always be oh, Windows 10. That is not true. Uh, I learned uh, that. So I've been doing all the work for my program on this Windows desktop, uh, but I miss being able to do work from the couch. <laughs> so I was like, oh, but you know what? I could use remote desktop, Windows remote desktop. One yeah. of the best remote desktop things I remembered. Uh, not anymore. No longer included as part of Windows 10 Home. You need to upgrade oh, to Windows the... 10 Professional. Yes. I forgot uh, they still had that difference. Yep. Very silly. And it it costs like a hundred plus dollars. And all I want is that one thing. All I want is that one thing. But you're but you could why don't you just um mirror cast it? What is that? That's I think it's the company they bought, but basically there's a um it's the built it's the built into Windows wireless desktop sharing. It's sort of like Chromecast, but uh-huh. for Windows. And can you control it? You can like It only shares the screen. Right. But you know, if you have your mouse and keyboard, I mean you can still can type things into it from the remote computer and it will affect the well as long as your mouse and keyboard can connect in the same because you're only are you are you sending it to the tv in the other room no no no. i want to be on my laptop in the other room controlling this desktop so i can like use it to do stuff oh yeah from no, the that, couch. no that won't work that won't work oh, okay yeah. never mind Never mind. I was surprised. If you have any recommendations for that, I was sure. I was like, oh, there must be some like free open source thing that'll that is good enough. I've never found and, anything that really worked. I've tried a bunch of stuff, and I never found anything that worked great. That sucks. I mean, theoretically, you could set up. I mean, Teams, Microsoft Teams comes to mind, but you could just set up an account, call yourself on the other device, and set up screen share with. Remote control. Yeah, I mean theoretically, I don't see why that wouldn't work. Uh, maybe the only thing is, I don't know if you can call yourself, so you may have to make two accounts. And but any any sort of uh, like screen sharing software that gives you control, um, like that. But I can't think of anything dedicated. Um, the last thing I just want to quickly mention: uh, the Microsoft Entertainment Pack was my big Windows 95, 98. Yeah. Do you remember that? With a Ski Ski Free, Tetris, Chips Challenge, Tetravex, Jezball, Rodents Revenge, uh, Pipe Dream. What was the space pinball thing? That was XP. Oh, that was XP. That was XP. It was like the one game that came with it, which was very weird. (laughs) <laughs> I think it was like 3D space pinball or something like that. Right. Um, oh, I forgot about that, actually, until you mentioned it. <laughs> <laughs> so 
weird. And now I'm remembering, wasn't there like a Windows Entertainment Center edition or something? Yes, which was supposed to like Plex or something that was supposed to like run a PC at your TV for like movies. And it was like basically Windows Media Center on steroids. Right. Yep. That came and went. I mean, we could do a a whole hour on just defunct Microsoft. Don't even get me started on Microsoft Bob. I mean, it it we we got we got plenty of stuff. Windows Media Center. Yeah. Discontinued as of Windows 10. I didn't realize it lasted that long. Yep. How would you feel if you were the person who spent untold hours logging all of your media into into that server? Feels bad. As Colby sure would does. Say. Sure does. Yeah. Um. Alrighty, Dan. Uh, do you have a pick this week or no? Oh yeah, I do. Sorry. Okay. Well, while you're do typing you want, yours in, do you want a TV pick or a book pick? I don't have a preference, actually. I think both are great. I've been watching a lot of TV, so I don't know if that means I should watch more or I should read a book. Okay. Um, You tell me. But while you're typing that in, uh, I'll go first quick here. Dan, I know you're like me. You write a lot of personal checks. Yeah, tons. Just all the bookkeeping, just all the checks. Uh, But what happens when you run out of checks? You got to order more checks. Uh, And so there are lots of services out there that did it. I just had to order more checks. I use checks in the mail at checksinthemail.com. Wait a second. You don't have to order checks through your bank? No, there's nothing proprietary. As long as you give them your account and routing, there's nothing proprietary about a check. How do you think people get, like, Garfield checks and, like... Wait, could I just print my own checks then? Uh... If a bank it would accept it, yes. I mean, there are, like, security features and things in the professionally printed checks to, like, stop people from forging your information and printing their own. So would a bank accept it? I don't know. But there are, like, 100 companies online that will print you checks. Um, and sometimes they're cheaper than your bank. Banks don't usually make a lot of money on the checks, so they're competitive. But I just, like, they have a lot of options. Checks in the mail. What I liked about checks in the mail, they were fast. I was surprised at how quickly they turned around my checks. Um, the price ended up being really good. I got a couple hundred, um, but they have like the ones that tear off at the side and they've got them mm-hmm. in, um, in all different colors and you can like even customize like different fonts and stuff on them. You can really go crazy if you want. Of course, they charge you for all those upgrades, but um, yeah, basically. What kind of checks did you get? I got the really boring basic ones. Unsurprisingly, oh. I would show you my checks on camera, but they have my routing number on them. Don't you see that? But no, I got the very, very basic ones. But there are some on here that are aggressively terrible. Um, you know, like I was like, should I get like Betty Boop checks? Like just like some of the or they had like uh, uh, Star Wars checks and all you know kinds what? of. Now that you're saying this, I remember seeing catalogs for this as a kid. You would get all the different designs. And I remember thinking, wow, you must be really cool if you have different designs on your checks. Well, and now they're all mod. Like you can get Despicable Me checks. I'm just on their website now. Like it's all they have mod, like Frozen checks. Oh my god! And what's crazy is you buy them in like a book of a hundred. So like a hundred. How long does it take you to go through a hundred checks? And you're still like, oh, I still want Moana on my checks. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, many years for me. Many many years. I I went with the very boring. Uh. I almost. I really wanted to go with the side tear. Just because I think those are fancier. That sounds convenient, yeah. Um, But they didn't have any designs I liked. But anyway, uh, reasonably priced, and they come fast. So um, check it out. Checksinthemail.com. Dan, what'd you decide? Are we going TV or... 
books. So yeah, I don't think we maybe we did talk about this on the show, what but I got a uh, 4K TV a couple months ago. Oh, I don't think we did. Oh, I, yeah, I got the wire cutter pick LG OLED 4K TV. Damn, it's very nice. Uh, it's no like the picture is very nice. Everything else about it is just as shitty as every other modern TV. Oh, you don't like the WebOS interface? No, and the like HDMI CEC thing like works only eighty percent of the time, and uh-huh. then it doesn't work. You just have to basically restart everything. Ugh, yeah. <laughs> um. Anyways, I there's been very few things that I've watched where I've actually noticed that it's 4K, mm-hmm. and and maybe this might even be the only one. Uh, I think, honestly, the the sound system upgrades have made a bigger difference uh, than 4K for me so far. Maybe that'll change with 4K consoles. But the one thing I I have been watching just over the past couple days and really noticed was the Our Planet series on Netflix that David M. Attenborough narrated uh, nature documentaries. Get right into those insect eyeballs and see all the, the little crazy fractal things and they get these crazy shots inside the the tunnels of the ants and looking out over the glaciers in antarctica uh it's been really cool it's super impressive on a 4k tv i'm i'm sure it looks great otherwise but this actually makes use of all of the different details and pixels and colors like you do the jungle episode you have these birds with these crazy colors like black bird with a big green spot on it and oled tv it'll look pitch black with a great green spot on it so yeah check out our planet i don't think it's even technically full 4k on netflix isn't there a super hd thing like uh it depends on when it was shot these days they are shooting all new new original content in in hdr 4k they'll tell you do they do they stream it in 4k though um i I remember reading about this a couple months ago and being like so mm, you're playing some tricks on me. According to the Netflix website, it looks like it's not actually in 4K. Um, That's what I thought. But what device are you using to stream from? Uh, Apple TV 4K. Oh, no, it says it's Ultra HD. Right, Ultra HD. Is that an industry standard term for 4K? Yeah, basically. Okay. It's above regular HD. Got it. What you want to look for is the HDR. That's sort of that's the really good 4K. Yeah. Which the other confusing thing is, for a while I was like, oh man, like it's it's Dolby Vision and not HDR, but Dolby Vision is HDR. Right. It's like it's like a superset. They're very similar. Yep. Yep. Well, no, it's a great pick. I agree. Nature stuff in general just is awesome on 4K. That's what sells it. Um, I think I think it's also because you you really know what it should look like. Yes. Well, and again, if you shoot something in a studio where it's properly lit and all this stuff, it's like, how much better can it look? You know? Um, But Dan, I'll give you can I give you a follow up series that I think is one of my best recent things I've watched in 4K? Uh, And and it's a nature thing. Uh, Amazon Prime. Assuming it streams 4K on your device. Uh, it does on my Roku 4K. Um, reality series, World's Toughest Race, Eco Challenge Fiji. Terrible name. But basically, yeah. the Eco Challenge was one of the first reality shows ever to air on television. 
And it was basically, it's Survivor and Amazing Race and a few other things mixed together. But basically, it's a it's an ultra-endurance race where over the span of 10 days, they have like 60 teams of four people each that have to travel over 700 miles in a 24-hour nonstop race through canyons, through woods, through uh, through rivers, through just the most, it, it, honestly, it's the most insane thing I've ever seen. They shoot the whole thing. They just brought it back. New, new season this year. They hadn't done it for a while. All shot in 4K. Looks amazing. And it's ext- it's 10 episodes on Prime. Very, very compelling television. What um, is it called again? World's Toughest Race. Colon Eco Challenge Fiji. But you can probably just search World's Toughest Race on Prime and you'll find it. Yeah. Um, and I know they're doing another season uh, next year, but it was, I mean, I binged it so quick um, because it really, I mean, this is a, you know, I watch reality shows and I'm like, oh, I could do that. Oh, that's like, like even, I mean, Survivor would be hard, but it's like, I could survive. You know, I can, it's not you know, like Amazing Race. I watched this and I'm like, I would die doing this. Like I would literally die. Um, and it looks, it looks amazing. So check that out if you're bored. Um. Yeah, you have to let us know what other uh, great 4K stuff you come up with. I love 4K. I wouldn't say I've noticed, like you, I don't think it's like a mind-bending difference. But I do think, depending on what it is, yeah, it's it's just nice getting in the habit of seeing more and more stuff in 4K. Yeah. Um, Super cool. All right, Dan, anything else? That's all for me. Outstanding. I like how there are only two of us, but we we went longer than we usually do. So I guess Colby was holding us down. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. Uh, Colby, I'm sure we'll be back next week. Uh, before we get to next week, I do want to quickly, as always, mention up for debate. Last week we did an all coronavirus episode. Dan and I got deep. We talked about everything from how we think the virus works and testing. But we you also, and Matt, I don't think I was there unless this was a, a you know, fever I keep dream. Confu- you know, it's because there's two of us tonight. I'm confused. I keep thinking you're Matt. Um, <laughs> But uh, we talked about movies, the future of movies, we think, uh, and how coronavirus has uh, affected that, the future of travel. It was really a free-flowing, fun episode. Check that out. And then this coming week, Sean Tember starts, and our RPG set in a defunct shopping mall is going to kick off on Thursday. I am be- I've got notes and drawings, and I've, I've, I'm very excited. It's going to be a ton of fun uh and maybe dan will make an appearance later in the month who knows we'll see uh check that out at upfordebate.tv and of course our website domepanic.io it's excellent the pics are there as well as all of the episodes of course you can subscribe wherever you get podcasts check us out there the video version on youtube and of course you get a hold of us at don't panic show on twitter and email don't panic show at gmail.com uh that kind of wraps it up here we assume colby will be back next week uh for a wonderful Labor Day episode. How fun. Uh, But until then, on behalf of Dan and theoretically Colby, I'm Sean. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next time for another Don't Panic. This has been a Coffee and Beer production. Executive produced by Dan Miller, Colby Rabideau, and Sean Jennings. To learn more, visit coffeeandbeer.tv.